Welcome to the City Reach Baptist podcast. If you would like more information about the life of our church, please go to our website at cityreach.com.au or like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Very cool. Well, my name is Carl and I'm one of the pastors here and you're so welcome in this church here tonight. Uh, We love God's Word. We love sitting under God's Word. And so we're going to be in Luke 11 tonight. So if you want to grab your Bibles out or grab a pew Bible, if you're new in the church and you don't own a Bible, you will see Bibles in the back of the seats in front of you or if you're in a seat where that doesn't happen, reach behind you. Take that Bible home with you. It's our gift to you. We would just love for you to have uh, God's Word uh, in your house tonight. Today we started a new series uh, called Why Not Us, right? And it's just asking this question that as you look through Scripture, through the whole council of Scripture, you see this repetitive pattern of God using unlikely characters. People that were not the most expecting people that you would think for God to use, right? They were just people that through their time, they just chose to be faithful, but strange, we see in the Old Testament, in the early parts of the Bible, that God used a, an old man, Abraham, a hundred years old, to bring glory to himself by giving him a child at the age of 100 that would birth the nation of Israel. We see that, the, um, that Moses was used, even though he had a fierce stutter, that uh, God used him in such a way that he spoke prophetically to Pharaoh to let his people go and his people were let go. Uh, we saw that the we see in scripture that the prostitute Rahab, a prostitute who repented of her sin, had a child who had another child who had another child, and so on and so on, and we get the baby Jesus. That all through the council of scripture, God used unlikely people to bring about His will. That's what we see all through scripture. Last weekend, um, uh, my son Tommy was in hospital for four days. He's fine now, right? Um, But in the week leading up to that, we had a a pretty scary experience where for uh, the week leading up, my son's breathing started getting worse and worse and worse. And it was a situation where his uh, breathing um, started off sounding like he had a bit of a cold and then started uh, sounding like he was a bit of an asthmatic and then it sounded like he had swallowed a chew toy. So Thursday, we end up in emergency department. Uh, Friday, we end up in the emergency department and they don't know what's going on and they say that we need to take an x-ray. And so they do an x-ray on my child and they find something and they find nothing. What they find is that uh, my son's left lung has just stopped working, that it's become uh, constricted, that there's something blocking my son's lung, but they they have no idea what it is. So my wife and I start taking bets and I believe it is a block of Lego, and my wife thinks that it is um, my child rejecting some of my cooking, right? (laughs) That the cooking has gone into his belly and the body's rejecting it and sending it back up and then it got stuck in the lung. And she's not totally wrong. They do this surgery that was supposed to take 30 minutes and turns into about 90 minutes, and they um, pull out this peanut that the body was trying to reject and it couldn't. Uh, The lung is supposed to be breathing life into the body, but because of a blockage, it was not able to bring life. It's interesting, right? As I was sitting there for eight hours on eight hours on on eight hours, I couldn't help but think about the difference between the church in the Eastern world and the church in the Western world, where the Eastern world seems to be full of life and the Western world, the church appears to have a blockage. 
that there seems to be in the Eastern world that China is flourishing, many people being saved, Nepal is flourishing, many people being saved, and in the West, it seems like the church is in decline. So it's right to ask, what is that blockage that is preventing the church in the West from experiencing this kind of life that we really should be experiencing? That is possible, and the Scripture says that it is very possible. So if we were to take an x-ray and get past the surface level and say, well, does the church have great strategy? And um, is the church preaching the true gospel, not a man-centered gospel? If we were to get underneath the surface, what would we find? And I tell you what we would find is not a new problem, but it is actually an ancient problem. A problem that God's people have struggled with all along. Let me read some verses to you out of the Old Testament that should be sobering for us. And it says this in Isaiah 30. It says, Woe to the rebellious children, declares the Lord, who execute a plan but not mine, and make an alliance but not of my spirit in order to add sin to sin, who proceed down to Egypt without consulting me, to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. That's Isaiah 30. Isaiah 31, it continues. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and trust in chariots, because they are many and in horsemen, because they are very strong, but they do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. Jeremiah puts it more bluntly, for the shepherds are stupid and do not inquire of the Lord. Jeremiah's words, not mine. Moreover, as for me, he says in, from 1 Samuel, moreover, as for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, but I will instruct you in the good and right way. One of the primary sins from times gone by to the time of today that creates a blockage in the life of this church is this blockage of, of prayerlessness that is right throughout much of the church. One of the um, first memory verses that I remember remembering was from 1 Samuel, which says that he will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. What we see in the church today, there was a survey done through the um, Pew Research Center, conducted a research in America that said 40% of people that identify as Christians say that that a life of prayer is not actually part of their life at all. So if a man is not supposed to prevail by might and the church is not supposed to prevail by might, how are we supposed to prevail? Well, that passage, that verse is actually taken from Hannah's prayer and she's speaking about the ministry of prayer. That God has called the individual to flourish through prayer, has called the church to flourish through prayer. And if we're going to be a people of unlikely characters, a people of unlikely characters who are chosen by the Lord to bring a great gospel in our relationships to the city of Adelaide and to the nation. The Bible says that we should be about the ministry of prayer. John Piper says it like this, God has made the spread of his fame hang on the preaching of his word and he has made the preaching of his word hang on the prayers of the saints. So tonight I want to bring you a message I've entitled Death to Prayerlessness that there is this great blockage in this church that we need to unblock for the glory of God. So let's turn our eyes to Luke 11, verses 5 to 13. Look down in your Bibles. It says, And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, 
Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his servant asks, uh, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. See at least three powerful truths about prayer in this passage that should remind us of the treasure of prayer. The first, uh, first is this. Prayer is possible. Amen? Prayer is possible. We should never actually stop marveling at the reality that we have been given an invitation, been given our right to approach the throne room of God. We should never stop marveling at that. Look down at verse 7. It says, And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give you anything because he is a friend, yet because of his impudence, his persistence, his boldness, his shamelessness, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. We have an audience with God which is profound, which is profound that we should ever be able to call upon the name of the Lord. Um, on Saturday, I had three um, one-year-old birthday parties to attend to. Three, right? Just backing them up. 10 a.m., 1 p.m., and 2 p.m. And I took um, my eldest kid to the mall. His name's Jack. And um, so three different environments where there's three different sets of food, three different sets of environments. The, the, the last party that we were at had two open fires. Just unbelievable stuff all day. And my son Jack is um, at me the whole time. Just like pepped up on chocolate brownies and... We got to the second party and he had, a, he had a, like an average time at the first one. So at Ollie's party, I just said, you can eat whatever you want. Worst decision, right? So for the rest of the day, he's just at me, just tugging at me, going, dad, 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 dad. Sometimes he wants something. Sometimes he just wants to tell me something. Dad, dad, dad. And there was just one point where he just broke me, right? And I was like, what do you want, Jack? And some of us here tonight go, oh, it's good that we can approach the father, but am I approaching the father and he's just simply annoyed at me? that I approach God with my prayer requests, and is he just bothered by me? Well, the thing about this parable is that this is a better than parable, right? That God is not equal to the friend. God is so much better than the friend. That God is not bothered by your complaints. See, I know some of you in this room here tonight have shared your faith and look forward to Mission Month as an opportunity to share your faith, and you've been stung. And it didn't go well, and you couldn't find the right words, and you feel embarrassed. God wants to hear your prayer. God is not shamed by you. God is not annoyed by you. He's inviting you to step into his throne room and to hear your prayers. You might feel shame because at home your family aren't following the Lord, and they pick on you, and they despise that you're here tonight. God wants to hear your prayers. God wants to comfort you and all he requests from you is that you would approach his throne room with boldness. 
What a gift, right? What a gift that the Lord would long to hear our prayers. The possibility of prayer should make us run to God in prayer. God hears you. God hears you. I've been a basketball fan for the longest time. And I was watching this video last week of um, this basketball fan who sent like a direct message, like a DM on Instagram for the, uh, to their top 100 basketball players just to see if he could get a response. So he sent it to like Steph Curry and LeBron James and Kevin Durant and Shaq and Kobe and a whole bunch of other players, which I'm sure you don't, you're not interested in. Sent it out to all these people and Kevin Durant responded, right? And this guy was pumped out of his mind. For those who don't know, Kevin Durant in the world of basketball is a big deal. So he just signed a contract, an Australian contract, where he gets paid $164 million American over four years. I worked it out for you. That's 248 Australian dollars a second. If he plays every second of every game, which he doesn't, right? He gets paid a lot. And so this guy was like, it's unbelievable. Kevin Durant spent time thinking about me, little old me. And he was pumped. Where the Bible says that the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he wants to hear from us. Little old people in Adelaide, this little church, God is desperate to hear you speak to him. God delights that you would call upon his name. What does John 1 verse 12 say? It says, But to all who did receive him, who all believed in his name, he, became, he gave the right to become children of God. That the Bible describes, gives us this picture of God and asks that he is our father who delights to give good gifts to us. That whatever you have done in your past, you can set aside under the blood of Jesus and Jesus longs to hear your prayer requests. Prayer is possible, and we should never stop marveling at that. But not only is prayer possible, friends, prayer is essential. The placement of this passage in the writing of Luke uh, tells us a lot about the relationship between uh, the disciple of Christ and what it means to follow Jesus. Let's back up just one chapter. So if you're in your Bible and you're in Luke 11, flip back to uh, chapter 10. And let's see the way chapter 10 starts. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are, for, are few. So what's the strategy? Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest Go your way, behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Chapters 9 and 10 of Luke have this clear focus of equipping the saints, the, those in ministry, the disciples of Christ, to go out and be on mission. And it should not surprise us that threaded through all of this, woven through this all, is this great call to prayer. Why is prayer so critical to the mission of the church? It's because at every level, the mission is too big for the church to accomplish. It's too big on a global level. It's too big on a national level. It's too big in a city level. The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. And it's too big on an interpersonal level. I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. You ever felt like you were the wrong person for this mission job? 
like uh, you're sitting with someone who doesn't know the Lord just yet and uh, you've got an opportunity to share the gospel. Maybe they ask what you did on Sunday night or maybe they ask you about this thing called Christianity and you've got an opportunity to speak and you think in your head, is this really God's strategy? Am I really God's strategy to share in this moment? And what happens is you shrivel back. Friends, that's exactly the same way that I've felt too. That preaching or, 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 or sharing the gospel with someone, that our words would cause them to believe that there's a God, to believe that there's an afterlife, believe that um, there are angels, to believe that um, Jesus' blood covers our sins, to believe that the Bible is true, and through my words, I need to convince you of that. And friends, that is absolute foolishness unless we had the promise that is given to us in verse 13 of Luke 11. So look down in your Bibles back in Luke 11, verse 13, and see the gift that is the focus point of Luke uh, 11. Verse 13, If you then who are evil know how to give, uh, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Here is an amazing paradox for the Christian. We who have the Holy Spirit must constantly cry out for the empowering of the Holy Spirit every single day of our lives. That you have been given the Holy Spirit, but every day you must call upon Him so that He might give you every good gift for you better flourish in ministry and in mission. These are the words of James in James 1 verse 5. He says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. It's talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That God, through the Spirit, wants to give generously to all. Our God is a generous God. Over the weekend, um, uh, my wife had broken her phone. I, it was for the fourth time she had broken this phone. And so I called our mobile carrier and I said, um, I've been with you for 20 years. I want to renew a contract. What kind of deal can you give me? And they said, uh, what we can do is for the first six months of your contract, um, we can give you a free trial of Apple Music. So I said, are you being generous to me? Or is this the same deal you give to everybody else? And their response was, we can give you for the first six months of your contract a free Apple trial of Apple Music. And I was like, I get it. You're not generous, you just want to give the appearance of being generous, right? God isn't like that. Psalm 23 verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. That the kind of blessing and the kind of activity that God wants to bring in your life is this picture of someone who holds a cup under a tap for far too long and it is overflowing. That is how generous God wants to be with you. That you might have walked in tonight with a situation that you're so shame-filled with or so overwhelmed with and you think that God can't meet you with where you're at. God doesn't just want to meet you, friends. He wants to be generous to you in that situation. God gives generously to all. So you might have no Christian background at all. Or you might have a Christian background and then you came to the church and you decided to flick it and then you've come sheepishly back feeling so embarrassed like the prodigal son going, I've only read 
two-thirds of the story. I'm embarrassed and I'm ashamed, but I'm here. Well, the promise of Scripture is that God wants to give generously to all. That it doesn't matter whether you have a great, uh, a great moral resume, free from sin. God longs through the Holy Spirit to be generous to you. To all, without reproach. This is the beautiful part that James says. Uh, he gives to all without reproach, meaning that um, it's a really special part of James teaching that he comforts those people who have not spent their life pursuing godly wisdom. So for those people who have not spent their life pursuing God, who have big, uh, positioned themselves as an enemy of God, that God doesn't hold that against you when you return to him. That God isn't looking to embarrass you. That God isn't looking to bring shame to you. That God wants you to experience life in all of its fullness. That he's not going to hold your past against you, but like a father who sees his child running towards him, he just wants to pick you up and hold you and comfort you. Such is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But here's a confronting question with an even more confronting answer. What does it mean for our church not to pray? So if we pray, we can receive the Holy Spirit who empowers us all for mission and for ministry. What does it mean for us not to pray? Well, throughout Scripture, we don't just see prayerlessness lead to God's absence. We actually see prayerlessness lead to God's opposition. So, so, so watch this. 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9 is our, um, is our memory verse for the month, right? It says in this passage, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. And it's true. God is looking for ordinary people just like you and me. I heard this song lyric, this Christian song lyric this week, which I reckon was so cool. The song was okay, but the lyric was so cool. Where it said, um, I'm just a somebody trying to tell, uh, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about a somebody. That's the Christian experience, right? It's not about my glory. It's not about my name. It's not about my story. It's not about my fame. It's all about him and his glory. It's such an incredible truth that if you want to posture your life in that way, the word promises you that God will use you every day of your life to bring him glory. But that's not actually the end of the verse. That's the first half of the verse, but the rest of the verse is sobering. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. This is the rest of it. You have done foolishly in this, for from now on you will have wars. The context of this verse is significant for those interesting, uh, interested in praying. The context of this is that King Asa was a good king. And he led the Israelites into um, a profitable time. He prayed, he depended upon the Lord, he sought the Lord. And the, because of that, the people experienced prosperity. Until he got scared. And he saw an army approaching, and instead of going back to the Lord on his knees, he turned to a foreign army that did not worship the Lord, that worshipped idols, that were involved in satanic worship, and he held hands, uh, held hands with them seeking protection. As a result of that, the Lord said to him, You have done foolishly in this, for you did not pray, you did not seek me, and from now on you will have wars." And I just wondered this week as I prepared this message if 
I wonder if the church in Australia is in this position of decline because when persecution came to us and resistance to the gospel came to us, we fell to what we knew best, to argue, to demand, to protest instead of turning to our knees in prayer. I'm not condemning offering a voice in the public uh, place. I, um, I love that stuff. I love promoting the freedom of religious beliefs. I just believe that the council of scripture is calling us to get our priorities right. The strategies of church ministry and evangelism will often change, but what is uh, eternal is our desperate need to hear the word of God in our own lives. So let me ask you, do you believe the voice of God is essential in your life or are you dangerous, dangerously positioning yourself in a place where God is not merely absent but is actually in opposition to you flourishing? But this is the strange thing about um, God's opposition is that his opposition is actually part of his kindness towards us. Uh, I threw away most of my 20s, right? Most of my 20s, uh, I did not pursue the Lord, but instead chose to devote my life to alcohol and to women and to money. That was what my 20s looked like. And what the Lord did when I wasn't seeking his name is that he let me pursue that path. And the result of that was that I met destruction. And I ended up on a psychologist's chair, diagnosed with depression, on a mental health plan and suicidal. And I was able to find out that life in all of its fullness is not found in that way. God was kind enough to allow me to experience that destruction so that I would turn back to him and know that only through Jesus is life found. Only through Jesus can we experience life in all of its fullness. The question we need to ask ourselves here tonight is, this prayer that we need to pray is, help me learn from others' mistakes, young person, so that I don't need to learn the lesson for myself. May you, Lord, not need to use the weapon of destruction against me to get my attention. But may we be the kind of church and the kind of people that fall to our knees in prayer so that God doesn't need to use opposition to get our attention. May we say every day, God, work inside my heart so that I might be faithful. Work inside my heart so that I might bring you glory. Prayerlessness dies in the church when we realize not just that prayer is possible for the Christian, but when we realize it's essential for it results in the gift of the Holy Spirit and spares God's people the destruction of trying to flourish apart from our Creator. Prayer is possible. Prayer is essential. And finally, prayer can produce the impossible. Amen, people? Amen. Jesus says it like this in verse 13, doesn't he? Just look down at this verse again. It says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Paul says it like this in Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. God's plans are bigger than our plans, but perhaps what has infected the church is this kind of unbelief which limits our prayers to the ordinary. Now, I want to be careful about how I say this because 
in a sense, there are no ordinary prayers because every day is a gift from God. No matter how mundane the moment is, the Bible says that God is uniting all things unto himself. So every single day is special because it is a part of God's eternal plan. But I've often found that in my own life and in the life of those around me, there is something often going on with my faith when I limit my prayers to things like um, safe travels, overcoming colds, or nothing at all because I'm all good right now. Uh, if you're in a life group and no one has uh, any prayer requests, then you're in a scary position as a life group. Because it's not just about your health, it's certainly not about your wealth. It is about the mission of God flourishing on the world. A few months ago, someone from my year 12 class started a group to organise a 20-year reunion. I am uh, getting old. And, um, <laughs> um, and I um, looked through the list of people that were um, getting added to the group, and my heart filled with anxiety, right, when I saw the names that were getting added because school was not a great experience for me at all. From the years of year 12, 10 to year 12, now, I was bullied, and um, the, these bullies, would, they would throw things at me from the other side of the, of the quadrangle. They would punch me as they ran past me. They would get my friends to abandon me, and I hated going to school. And um, I remember in year 12, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't even set my alarm. If I woke up, I went, and if I didn't wake up, um, I didn't go. And I remember seeing this one guy's name in that Facebook group, the kind of the chief of the people that were against me. And I remember with sin in my heart, I remember looking at that, the picture of this bloke and went, um, even God couldn't save this bloke. I looked at him and I thought, oh, even God couldn't save this guy. And at that moment, God was kind enough to speak to me and I felt like he asked me the question, is the gospel the good news of grace or the good news of works? Because it is, if it is about how much good we've done compared to how much bad we've done or vice versa, we are all stuffed. That none of us have enough good in our column. That all of us have got red in our ledger, right? But the truth is, is that we actually worship a God who has proclaimed the gospel of grace unto us all. That if God can save you, that if God could save Alicia, that if God can save me, he can save anyone. Because it's not about what's on your moral resume. It's not about the sin of your past. It's not about the sin of your present. It is about God's grace to us all. That God poured out the wrath that was due to our name, not on us. He spared it from being on us and poured it out on his son Jesus, taking the penalty that we deserve so that if anyone calls upon his name, you will be saved. We pray not because we are able. We pray because he is able. And he is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Sometimes I wonder if we don't need more prayers, more sermons about prayers, we just need more prayers. Paul said this in Romans 10 verse 1, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. So let's cry out together. Let's pray.